So we are going to talk about chapter six today, chapter six, The Prisoner, which I'll be honest, I think this is my favorite episode of the whole show. It's definitely my favorite, like, standalone episode. The The finale does a lot as far as, like, the, overar- like, the, the overarching story, but I I think as just, like, a standalone adventure, this is my favorite episode. I absolutely love this one. So I'm, I'm really stoked to talk about it. So here we go. Chapter six, The Prisoner. <laughs> All right, so Chapter 6, The Prisoner, uh, originally debuted on December 13th, 2019. The episode is directed by Rick Famiyua, who uh, I I think is a a name to watch. Uh, His film Dope from a few years ago was absolutely fantastic, and he's very involved in the Mandalorian show as a a whole. And I I think he's someone that Marvel and Disney have their eye on to potentially direct some Star Wars and some some Marvel, which you should be excited about watching this episode. should be proof of that. So the story is uh, by Christopher Yost, who has worked on some of the Thor movies. He was one of the writers of Thor Ragnarok, which is an incredible movie, as well as Dark World, which is not an incredible movie. (laughs) Uh, And then the the episode was written by Femi Yua and Yost together, so... Uh, I, I really love this episode. I, I think this episode's really fantastic for a, a plethora of reasons that we'll get into. But I do think that the main theme of this episode is, or I guess themes, are cages and claustrophobia. And I think this is demonstrated visually, but it's also about the characters and their lives and their personalities. And this is an episode in which everybody feels a little bit trapped in various ways. And I, I think that, I, you know, Mando is trapped in the sense that he has to take jobs to get some money to to stay afloat and, and, and you know, protect the child. The, the child is very much a prisoner in this episode as, you know, he, he has to stay in his little bedroom, you know, uh, wardrobe thing and... Uh, can't leave the ship and is is stuck in the ship the entirety of the episode. And, uh, man, there's some really intense claustrophobia we'll get when we get to my favorite parts. Uh, gosh, there's a scene with the child that is, uh, I just think, truly troubling and, and it stresses me out to watch. And then, of course, you know, the prison ship itself, right? I mean, like, like it is it is literally a series of cages and uh, couldn't be more obvious there. But the way in which Mando kind of turns the table on the crew when they turn the, you know, once they betray him and they all end up becoming prisoners of their own inside of this, uh, you know, this prison ship once Mando takes control of it. And so I, I do think this episode, part of why it's one of my favorites or maybe my very favorite is that this episode tells its own complete story in a, in a way that no other episode does. This one would work as a short film. You'd be a little bit confused about what Mando and the child's relationship is, a little bit. But if, if you were to add 
10 more minutes just describing their relationship and explaining their, you know, their stakes and their conditions. I think that this would be a standalone movie. No, no problem. I mean, I guess if you only added 10 minutes, it'd be short, but you, you get my point. <laughs> uh, but, but it truly is about feeling stuck and trapped in your circumstances, in your surroundings. And I do think that, you know, there's this really interesting element of this particular episode, which is that we've seen the sort of seedy underbelly, the crime world, and, uh, you know, the Mandalorian uh, guild, and, and we've seen where they live, you know, underground, and and we've seen, uh, the, you know, the, um, the Bounty Hunters Guild, and, 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 and crime, and murder, and things like that. And now we see an even scuzzier subsect that is, like, the criminals that will backstab each other, even. There's no code of conduct amongst these people. They operate outside of the Bounty Hunter Guild, and, you know, I, I think that it's really interesting, because this episode definitely ends up... Uh, taking the side of, of uh, <laughs> loyalty, you know, in, in that argument. It's not impartial. So those those are the themes to me, are cages and claustrophobia. And I, I, I think that Rick Famuyiwa does an incredible job of making that happen visually as well. I mean, like, obviously it helps that we're on a prison ship, but you get kind of disoriented in this ship. All the hallways feel the same. Once the lights go down and turn red and there's the strobes and stuff, every everything feels so claustrophobic and tight and trapped. And uh, it, it's all about Mando finding a way out of that prison. He has to Shawshank his way out. <laughs> uh, as far as Mando's body count goes, I don't track any sentient beings that are killed by Mando in this episode. So I think we're staying at 60 kills by my current count. He... It looks like he kills Berg, but at the very end, it reveals that he did not kill Berg. He kills Zero, but Zero's a droid, and we've decided it, it only counts sentient beings. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like, we didn't count IG-11, right? No, we didn't. So I, I, I think, like, droids, sorry if that's morally wrong. We're, we're not counting droids. <laughs> uh, and then um, the, the pilot gets killed by Xi'an, not by by Mando. So, yeah, I mean, he essentially, we'll get to him <laughs> a little bit, he essentially orders the death of, of everybody on Rand's, uh, you know, freighter, but technically he doesn't do it. It's sort of like Batman, where there's a little bit of a loophole, but it's like, Batman doesn't kill people. It's like, well, he just dropped that guy from a building. I think he's probably dead. Uh, yeah, it's like, no, gravity killed that person, not Batman. I think there's a little bit of that here. So, all right, let's talk about my favorite parts. So my favorite things about this episode, uh, I am a sucker for assembling a crew. I love Dungeons and Dragons and role playing games, Final Fantasy. I love it when a ragtag group gets together. It's also my favorite part of any heist movie. It's why I liked Grand Theft Auto 5 so much. I love it when a team of flawed individuals comes together. And so, you know, you like in Berg, you have the muscle and in Zero, you have the brains and in Mayfield, you have the face. And Xi'an, you have uh, kind of the rogue. Uh, I like the idea that she throws things. It's an interesting wrinkle in a, in a show about lightsabers and blasters and things like that. So I just like getting to meet all the characters. And, uh, I, I, you know, I just absolutely love Bill Burr as Mayfield. What incredible casting. Bill Burr kind of famously doesn't really love Star Wars. And John Favreau basically cast him as a joke because of that. And I think he's just absolutely exceptional in this. I absolutely love Mayfield and everything about him. His his gun thing that comes up over his shoulder is just so crazy cool. And the reveal of it is especially cool because, you know, they're in that firefight. And then uh, you're, they're feeling very trapped, again, claustrophobic in a corner. 
and it, he pulls out, you know, the, this apparatus over his shoulder that shoots a third blaster. Very, very cool concept. Absolutely love that. I love when they are on the Razor Crest going to the prison ship, and there's this scene where they're all just kind of talking and chatting. Some of the best quotes from the episode are from that. It's very heavily implied that Xi'an and Mando had sex, which is like not a thing that happens very often in Star Wars. Star Wars is, is fairly, for the most part, uh, asexual. And it, so that's a kind of interesting development and moment. There's an implication that he left his helmet on during as well, which is uh, titillating. <laughs> and uh, I, I just love this moment. I mean, I hate it, but I think it's a very successful filmmaking. Uh, great direction by Rick from the where they end up finding the child in his closet and they're like passing him around like he's a toy almost. And then they drop out of hyperspace and he hits the ground and he screams and it's just, oh my gosh, like it's, it's weird to call it one of my favorite parts because it, it, I hate it, but it is really, really effective. And it, it, it really does generate a very guttural paternal instinct in me. And uh, oh my gosh, I hate it. Ugh, protect the child, please take care of LBY. So uh once they board the prison ship you know like i said there's that scene where the the gun robot gun hand comes out and starts shooting i love that moment and specifically i love when mando sneaks up from behind and just slaughters the droids and it's some of the most guttural violence we get i think it's a good use of hey we can kill droids and it can be really violent and we can get away with it because instead of blood it's oil and you know i i really like that choice but i think that rick femiua does a really great job of directing some very visceral intense violence here i mean like mando eviscerates these guys and it reminds you that he is very bigoted against droids i mean he kind of hate kills them and it's 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 intense and if they were like if they were aliens or humans or you know like like uh more organic beings i think this would be a really kind of gruesome tough scene to watch i love the flip of like once they find quinn and they they kick Mando into the prison cell that when, when Mando gains control of the prison ship itself, that the the episode shifts on a dime. And this I think this is absolutely incredible direction from Rick uh, from Iua, it, which, by the way, I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I've, I've looked it up and I, I think I am. Um, but there's this moment where it switches on a dime from heist episode from like heist movie to horror film like full-blown horror and it happens on a diamond it's so cool because when it's heisty everything is well lit the crew's getting around everything's going smooth and then all of a sudden all the lights go out they're replaced with red lights there's like darkness and strobes the horrors like the score changes to sound like a horror soundtrack suddenly there are these like really squeaky strings and like uh it's so intense and it's such a great stylistic shift and you almost don't even notice how deeply it's changed until you cut back and forth from what's happening on the Razor Crest with Zero and Little Baby Yoda, and then cutting back to the horror that is happening on this prison ship, and then just kind of one by one, almost like Michael Myers or Jason, Mando was just sneaking up on these guys and taking them out, and it. the first time I watched this episode, I thought he was killing every single one of them, and I was like, this is like dark for star wars this is, and it's still pretty dark for star wars but the thought i had at the time was that he was killing all of them and it was like whoa the main character of this star wars show is murdering all these people like a like a monster from a monster movie like a slasher <laughs> this is crazy and he, i mean he it still ultimately has that effect uh it's it's so intense 
And uh, I, I love that once uh, once Mando gets back on the ship, uh, you know, there's this great bit of like little baby Yoda sneaking around and he's kind of trying to like trick Zero. And he ultimately goes back into his room and Zero pulls out his gun and he's about to shoot. Uh, he's a little about to shoot the child. And then the child holds up his hand to use the force and he's going to like try to, I guess, like blow up zero. And there's this moment where it's shot and directed so well. Again, keep an eye on Rick Femiua. He's just incredible. This is the best directed episode of the show. And there's this moment where you really think, oh my gosh, the child just exploded this droid with the force. And then it's revealed, nope, actually Din was behind him with the blaster and he shot him in the head. And then like the child looks at his hand and he's like, did I do that? That's wild. And I absolutely love that moment. And then uh, for the, the final moment that I just absolutely love is the, is the last scene. You know, they land and uh, Mando lands on Rand and uh, Rand's ship, delivers Quinn. And uh, right as he's leaving, Quinn hears this beeping, realizes that Mando has placed this tracker fob on him. And right as the Razor Crest is leaving, these three X-Wings pop out of hyperspace. And uh, what's really cool is they're piloted by three of the main directors of this show. Dave Filoni, Rick Famuyiwa, and Deborah Chow are the three pilots. And I love that, you know, Dave Filoni, we've talked about him. He's like the biggest Star Wars fan in the whole universe. And this is his in-canon live-action performance. And his character's name is Trapper Wolf, which I just, it's so cheesy. And I love, you know, this is like literally a dream come true for every Star Wars fan. It's like to appear in-canon in a Star Wars movie or TV show. And, and his character's name is Trapper Wolf, which is so cheesy, and I love it. Uh, but so then, you know, they, they seem to blow up Rand's freighter. They certainly wreak some serious fire on there, and we have every reason to think Rand and Quinn are dead. And then uh, Mando and, and the child leave, and uh, Mando hands the child the little the little ball that goes on top of the joystick, and, and then all, it's all wrapped up, like almost as if it was like an episode of Full House. It's like a weekly sitcom. So those are my favorite parts of the episode. I absolutely love it. It's just really, truly exceptional. And uh, so let's go on to best quotes. I can get you more credits. I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring you in cold. So almost all the best quotes, I'm not going to lie to you. They're almost all Mayfield. And here's why. Din barely talks at all in this episode. This is a very physical, nonverbal episode for Din. And it works very well because... Bill Burr's performance is so exceptional. He just eats up all the oxygen in the room. I mean, this is such a charismatic performance. It's it's so charming. I really, really hope that Mayfield is back. I think that that scene at the end where we see that Berg and Mayfield and Sheehan are still all alive, I think it's very deliberate to plant the seed that, yeah, they'll be back in season two. I really, Mayfield in particular, I can't wait to spend more time with him. So uh, when they're sitting on the ship, kind of on their way to they're when they're on the Razor Crest, on their way to the prison ship, there's this scene where they're all kind of talking. And it's like when it's revealed that, you know, Den and uh, and Xi'an probably hooked up. Um, they're talking about why won't he take off his helmet? And Mayfield says, maybe he's a Gundan, a uh, Gungan. Maybe that's a why you said don't want to show your face. And I, I absolutely love that. I love especially knowing that Bill Bird doesn't like Star Wars, that they made him say that line. It's great. I did wonder, I mean, like, you know, he's an incredible stand-up comedian, and some of these really great lines are uh, are very funny, and I did wonder which which were scripted and which weren't. Now, although, to be fair, you know, Christopher Yost, uh, who was co-writer of the episode, did co-write Thor Ragnarok, which is a very funny movie. Uh, 
Mayfield, similarly, when he sees the child, he turns to Sheehan and says, did you guys make that thing? Like, is that your love child? That's uh, wonderful. And then uh, there's a scene that, like, really heats up where, there, you know, it's only supposed to be droids on this prison ship. And they come across a human being who is actually uh, played by the actor who voices Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars animated series. A little trivia bit. And uh, it, the scene gets really intense. And Mayfield, who I think is one of it's one of the best lines of the entire season, which is, are you questioning my managerial style, Xi'an? And it's it's so great. And it's funny, but it's also intense, and it gets the point across. And it, it, I think it takes a really great actor to pull off a, a line like that that could potentially be kind of clunky and cheesy in the wrong hands. And then I, my last quote that I really love is, when Zero loses communication with everybody else, he's on the Razor Crest, and he's coming in, and, and they, he loses communication, and he goes, it seems calm, so no longer functional. Therefore, you cannot hear me. And I do love that. As a touch for, like, a droid. Like, he has this computer brain, and so he has to go through the whole protocol. Whereas, like, a human would just be like, uh, the comms aren't working. And I love the idea that, like, a droid would have to be like, well, they're no longer functional. Which means you can't hear me. And he has to, like, solve the problem in his head. So, I really love that. Yeah. So, those are my favorite quotes. So, let's, uh, we're about to wrap up here. Let's, let's move on to the final segment of the show, which is winners and I losers. I suggest a new strategy, R2. Let the Wookiee win. So, for me, the winner of this episode, and maybe I've tipped my hand a little bit, it's Mayfield. Mayfield's the winner of this episode, and I know he ends up in a a prison cell at the end of the episode. I I, I hear you there. I know he doesn't really complete the mission, but I think he wins by just existing and being introduced into Star Wars canon. He's an incredibly cool character. His design is awesome. His, His robot arm gun thing is incredibly cool. He has so many good lines, and... I think he very successfully comes across as this character that we want more of. And I don't necessarily think that we would get this, but if Disney Plus was like, hey, we're going to do a spinoff series about the the characters from that episode, I mean, Bill Burr could absolutely carry a whole spinoff show with with this performance and this character. So absolutely to me, the winners Mayfield. And then the losers are Ran and Quinn. I've been kind of putting this off till the end, but like, I think if there's one thing that's wrong with this episode, it's that like the plan doesn't, totally hold up when you hold it under a microscope so ran wants the razor crest because it doesn't have serial numbers i get that that all makes sense he doesn't really want mando he wants mando's ship it's sort of like when you're in high school and like if you you're you have a car but none of your friends have a car then suddenly you get divided to all this stuff you know but it's just because i want you to drive and uh, it's a little bit like that but so I, i do think what's interesting is like so very clearly, Ran has put together this whole crew to save Quinn. And I know, like, the rule is no questions asked. Money is all that matters. But it's very clear that Ran really cares about Quinn and wants to save him because this is a very dangerous mission, okay? So that's a fact, right? That's, like, a given fact is that Ran clearly cares about Quinn. So he puts this team together, and then the team comes back or well, the, the ship comes back and the team is gone. No one from the team comes back. Everyone that Rand sent on the mission, except for Mando, who was the one person he didn't care about, is gone. And then Quinn shows up, and ultimately Rand seems pretty happy. Like he he, I get it. Like their whole thing is like no questions, but like, hey, some questions. I mean, like Mayfield, he's like at the beginning of the episode talking about how he's the greatest sharpshooter that he ever worked with and all this 
And it's like, well, your, your whole crew's gone. And like, Zero's dead. So it is, it is, uh, they are losers because their plan doesn't really make sense. And it was all just to get Quinn back. But then they blow up when uh, Trapper Wolf and company uh, show up uh, to, to, to end the mission. You have Jib Dodger and Sasha Ketter are the other two <laughs> named. Uh, so yeah, Rand and Quinn, their the mission doesn't really make sense ultimately, especially if Rand doesn't care at all about Zero or Sheehan or Mayfield. But don't think about it too much because the episode rules and ignore it. Don't listen to your brain. The, the episode's perfect. Leave it alone. All right, so next week we'll be back. We've got a two-parter. Uh, it's not technically two parts. It's technically two different episodes. But in my mind, those last two episodes really are a two-parter because it ends on such a cliffhanger. So we'll be dropping both of those on Friday, which is also the day that Mandalorian season two drops. And I haven't figured out quite yet. I'd be happy to hear some feedback about what day of the week. I don't know if I'm going to continue dropping these on Fridays. Maybe I will just so everybody has plenty of time to watch the episodes. But we are going to start recapping the new episodes, which start on Friday. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. Yay. I'm sorry that this episode is dropping late. Long story short, I got separated from my laptop and I, I was unable to connect with it. As soon as I could, I, I recorded this episode. So apologies that it is coming up a day late. I will uh, yeah, talk to you guys on Friday. May the force be with you. Uh, happy, happy Mandalorian season two week. Don't be a prisoner. Don't be claustrophobic. Or do. I'm not... <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Baby Yoda, baby Yoda, baby Yoda.